hey. Jeff Howe with us for the next hour. Well, BK uh, and uh, Jeff. How many, how many wags to tone it down on the Kenny Pickett slander? I still got a few Kenny Pickett rookie cards I need to try to sell. So uh, yeah. let's just, let's just ease, it, ease it up a little bit on the Kenny Pickett slander. What do you do with those? Like, do you just hope they gain in value because Pickett turns it around, or do you just sell while you can and hope you can get something for them? I think I've, I think I'm past the point, BK, where I just have to hold now and hope that things get better somewhat quickly. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not it's not like I'm investing a ton, you know. It's like, hey, this this five dollar Kenny Pickett rookie card. I'd like to have flipped it for ten fifteen bucks, but I'm losing I'm losing money on it at this point. Is the uh, is the Kenny Pickett trading card smaller than the other trading cards as an homage to his hand size? <laughs> Tiny hands, like uh, the, you know who else had freakishly small hands? Todd Orlando had freakishly small hands. Now, really? I, I, like, I like Todd Orlando as a dude, but he had every time I saw Todd Orlando, I always thought of the uh, the dude in the I uh, was at the Burger King commercial where this uh, where they were making like extra big whoppers. Now and he's like, I got a problem. I got tiny hands. Every time I saw Todd Orlando, I thought of the Tiny Hands Burger King guy. How about that? Yeah. Or uh, you ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? You know, I need to get on that show, man. I My brother's a huge fan. One of my good buddies is a huge fan. I, I haven't seen any any It's Always Sunny yet. Mm, there's a character called Uncle Jack in that show who's got very tiny hands, and he's incredibly self-conscious about that. And I just think Kenny Pickett is who that guy is in, in real life. But, See, BK, I'm uh, I'm I'm big into the trading card game. I don't know if I've if I've told you this. I know we got to talk football, yeah. but I, I got a couple here with me right now. So, oh shoot! No, I'm uh, like uh, there's I'm my there's my Dak there's my Dak Prescott rookie card. Little sure. little crown crown royale action. It's a little Jim Jim Mitt ten grade, and of course, if you cover the Longhorns, you got to have the Bijan rookie. Nice. Got to have some Bijan. So grade ten yeah. too. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm enamored by the uh, the card collecting hobby. I saw, I think it was you. You were going back and forth, maybe with one of our listeners, Nate, on Twitter. And mm -hmm. what uh, Jalen Ford keeps a Dick Butkus trading card with him yeah. as like a motivation, I guess, to try to win the Butkus Award. Like that's somebody that's asked cool. him, like, does he know who Dick Butkus is? He went right to the wallet, pulled it out. By the way, that set is a uh, mosaic football from Panini. Uh, he had mm. a Dick Butkus mosaic card with him, and uh, yeah. So he so Jalen Ford's like, yes, don't don't insult me. I I know who Dick Butkus is. I wonder if he's a card collector. I don't know how many I don't know if he's I don't know if Jalen Ford's a card guy or not, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good bit though. I mean, I I think every guy did that as a kid, but I respect the folks who have kind of kept the card collecting hobby alive, man. It's I'm 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 a small I'm a small timer in the card game, BK. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a I don't, you know. I'm married, and I'd like to stay that way in terms of what I <laughs> what I spend my disposable income on. Yeah, that's fair, man. I used to watch, you know, people. I'm sure you know this because you're in the game, but people post videos of them like breaking open boxes of sports cards. You know what my my favorite memory though? I got two great memories of card collecting. Yeah, my dad used to own a shop, so that's kind of how I got in it initially, and how I why I've stayed in it is kind of that was my me and my dad does one of our. Our deals and actually a decent chunk of stuff is, is was actually stuff that my dad you know left to me and or his face some of his favorite players like I, I bought a Willie McCovey rookie card because at one point his was stolen and I'm like you know I it, it's it's not in very good shape and I'm like you know I just want a real legit Willie McCovey rookie card just to have one because I know my dad would have gotten a kick out of that yeah. um 
But I remember, man, I was pr- I was probably still in high school. Don West would come on shop at home at like one, two o'clock in the morning and selling you like cases of like 1988 Donruss baseball cards for like 10 bucks, you know, and just screaming at the top of his lungs. Google like Don West baseball cards, BK, when you get a chance and, and watch some of those YouTube clips, just how the late great Don West, by the way, we recently lost Don West, just like how absurdly loud and excited he's yelling about selling you like, I guess, like 1987 tops baseball rack packs or whatever. This was on TV. Yeah, it was like one, two in the morning. Like after, yeah. after, like, gosh, what was the lineup I would watch at that point? It was like Blind Date was part of that, and one of those other dates, like the Third Wheel, maybe, was one of those dating shows. I'm like, it's Don West selling you baseball cards. <laughs> How about that on the HSN or something like that? Yeah, incredible. Incredible. How about this question here from Jennifer? Um, want to help her out with this? Says my late husband was a huge or has a huge baseball card collection. How do I go about evaluating value? Is there a book I can reference or something? Any pointers for Jennifer here? Uh, depending on if you're in Austin, I'd tell you to take them to uh, take them to Card Traders of Austin. That's my shop. Ask for Walt. Tell him I sent you there, and he'll he'll help get you a good evaluation of what you got. If you're not in Austin, then Maybe I could help you out finding some place or somebody. But Card Traders of Austin, that's where I would tell you to go. Again, ask for Walt. Tell him I sent you in, and he will he should hook you up. Uh, he'll uh, he'll give more money then if... Uh, those, those, are, uh, those are Brad Kellner's words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, Jeff is here for the next hour. Should be some fun. We'll talk plenty of sports and randomness until uh, 12 o'clock when we get into more randomness when Trey joins the party. God bless everybody who listens to that every day from 12 to 1. But a couple of days out from Texas and TCU, Jeff, and it's, you know, just doing some research on TCU, and, and you've done more than I have, and you guys have been all over this all week at Horns 24-7, but I am I'm fascinated at just how far TCU has fallen. Now, I did not have high hopes for them. I had them as a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big 12 this year, and that's kind of right where they are. Um, they're 4-5 and five right now, but you look at their schedule. They have not beaten a traditional Power 5 team. They beat FCS Nichols. Careful with that one. They beat SMU, who's still G5. And then they beat two newcomers, Houston and BYU. And you look at their five losses, Jeff, they've they've only played one of the top five teams in the Big 12. And they lost to K-State 41-3. They haven't played Texas, obviously. They haven't played OU. That's their last game of the year. And they don't play OSU or Kansas. So it's not like, oh, TCU just got stuck with a crappy Big 12 schedule and the combination of that and losing all of their players from last year's team. That's why their record is four and five, but they're really a lot better than that. No, they they have played a weak schedule and they are still not winning games. This this is not a very good football team that Texas is going to play this weekend. No, look, we knew they were going to take a step back. It was just how big of a step back do they take? And I, I think when you look at the key pieces, they lost on defense specifically last year. And even then, like their defenses, you, you look at their numbers, they're probably on par, maybe slightly better than they were last year, but they're just not explosive enough offensively to be able to make up for it. You know, and, and you almost took for granted, like you know, the Texas game, I think was a really good example of that BK. Like you look last year, Texas pretty much held that TCU offense in check, but how did TCU score their two touchdowns? Well, they got a Kendrick. They just kind of kept chipping away at the run, and really the only only decent run play they got was that Kendra Miller long touchdown run, 
and then you took advantage. You had a nice quarters beater called. Uh, you know, Texas passed off the wrong guy, and that's how Quentin Johnson was running scot-free down the middle of the field. So all that said, like, again, you're just not explosive enough to to make up for what you don't have. Now, I say that, you, you start looking at it. Uh, I'm looking at TCU from, from scrimmage. They do lead the Big 12 in gains of 10-plus yards this year. But to your point, when they've played, uh, how did you play, to a, non, a non-traditional P5? Mm-hmm. How you framed it like the numbers speak for themselves, like they couldn't bust a grape against K State and so on and so forth. And then, you know, that Colorado game, everybody got excited about that win Colorado had in Fort Worth. And I said at the time, and I'm glad I did, like, man, that Colorado Notre Dame, Colorado uh, TCU in 2023 could be what Texas Notre Dame was in 2016. Where you look up, at, it was a great game, but you look up halfway through, maybe towards the end of the year, and you're like, you know what? These are these are two not so great football teams, wow. and, and they're not. You know, Colorado's struggled and TCU struggling. So, uh, yeah, just being able to finish drives. Like you said, like the productions there when they've played kind of some of those non-traditional schools, you know, I I watched some of their game against BYU and I was like, man, TCU might be starting to get some things figured out. But then, like I said, they go to Manhattan and and they don't bust a grape. So, uh, yeah, just just tough sledding for TCU. I mentioned those 10 plus yarders, BK, you know, they lead the conference in plays of 10 plus yards. But then you look at it, they're 8th out of 14 in 20-plus yard plays. The 30-plus yard plays, they're 13th out of 14 teams. Uh, They're dead last in the conference in 40-plus yard plays. So, again, those explosive over-the-top touchdowns that they were getting last year, which it seemed like that's all they scored on against Michigan in the the Fiesta Bowl last year. They're just – they're not getting those. Yeah, they just don't have the horses that they did last year. I mean, it, they, they had to replace everybody, right? Heisman runner-up at quarterback, and their three top receivers who are all playing on Sundays right now. They're two yeah. top running backs. I mean, they just they had a bunch of explosive players, and it was a perfect storm, right? TC was obviously really good. They had that mix of talent and experience that you want to be a competitor in college football. Uh, they got to play against like 18 backup quarterbacks last year, it felt like. Uh, which worked and and they got every break. Like, let's be honest. Like, look, they made the winning plays that you have to make, mm-hmm. but they were so good in one score games, Jeff, that doesn't translate Ask mm-hmm. Texas from 2018 to 2019, right? Like you win a bunch of one score games one year. Odds are you're not winning those the next year. Like everything that worked so perfectly from TCU, kind of the exact opposite has happened. And that's why they might not make a bowl game. Yeah, it's really weird to think about them maybe not even being bowl eligible. But, you know, like I watched their game against West Virginia, BK. That was another game that I watched because I think the Texas have an early game. Yeah, they played Texas, played Kansas. That was the day of the Kansas game. So I was home in time to watch some of that uh, some of that TCU-West Virginia game. They just didn't look they just didn't look very good. You know, they went to Iowa State, and uh, that final score was a 27-14 loss. I don't even think – it didn't even feel like it was that close going back and, and looking into that thing. So, yeah, they, they lost a ton of talent, and they're not quite as good. And then when, on top of that, when you throw in quarterback issues, and Josh Hoover's been okay, but, you know, this is the second year in a row where you tried to ride with Chandler Morris and injuries haven't allowed that to happen. So, uh, yeah, again, we knew they were going to take a step back. Didn't expect them to take this big of a step back. Yeah. Is there anything that scares you in this game? I mean, look, Texas is a 10-point favorite. That's not a ton. So Vegas isn't thinking this game's going to turn into some sort of route. But where are you at with, with these two teams? Because for me, you could argue TCU had better talent than Texas last year, yeah. uh, which doesn't happen very often. I know TCU's own Texas in the Big 12, but still it feels like more often than not, Texas has had the better team, but it's been the story of Texas. It's just they don't get the talent to play the way that it should. 
But like, man, this this year the talent gap is massive between these two. Is there anything that scares you about this matchup on Saturday? Um, not really, and it doesn't really BK have anything to do with TCU. It's more uh more of a case of, to me, with Malik Murphy at quarterback, and we'll get into who actually is going to play quarterback. Sark is having his Zoom call with the media right now. Mm. I don't think we're going to get any kind of answer, and obviously, I'm not doing that Zoom call. I'm on here with you today, but. You know, who knows? Maybe Sark will say something. I doubt it. But I feel like for Malik Murphy, this te- this Texas team with Malik Murphy quarterback, I feel like you went through a worst-case scenario last week. Like, what if, what if he has one of those games where he's just turning the ball over and just stuff goes wrong? I mean, Case uh, had five scoring drives last week. Three of them started in plus territory. Another one started at the K-State 40. So, hmm. like, you... <laughs> As good as your defense is playing, you can't ask a defense to pl- defend that many short fields, you know, stand up on that many sudden change possessions. Just asking too much of your defense. But I feel like, dude, Malik Murphy threw the ball away. Jonathan Jonathan Brooks put one on the ground. But you still found a way to win the game. So if you were going to have a clunker, you kind of had it already with Malik Murphy. So whether it's Quinn Ewers coming back or Malik Murphy with another game, I, I would tend to think, you know, knowing the way kind of Sark works with quarterbacks, I think the message to Malik Murphy would be like, dude, you kind of stared the devil in the face last week. You tempted fate, and you know, we won the game. So just have a good week and, and focus on the good things and, and work on what you know you need to work on and keep on rolling. So that that's it, BK. I just I don't know if you can – last week was a game that you look at and you say, man, Texas probably should have lost that game, but they found a way to win it, and – I just don't see I don't see TCU being as good of a team as K State to do enough to where you can put that kind of fear in Texas late in the fourth quarter, unless Texas again is just giving them the football or just a bunch of self inflicted mistakes. Yeah, keep checking my phone, refreshing X to see if uh, we get any update in regards to Quinn Ewers. I mean, you never want to assume, right? Because what happens when you assuming? You know the expression when you assuming, Jeff. Yeah, you you make an ass out of yourself. You make an ass out of you and Yao Ming when you assuming. You and Yao Ming, huh? I believe that is the what did, uh, what did Yao what did Yao Ming do to you? I, I didn't make up the expression. That's that's Socrates. I think you said that. I'm, I'm not sure whose deal that is, but it sounds like a haiku or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do we uh, should we assume that it's Malik on Saturday? Like obviously, Sart gave us a way more positive update about Quinn on Monday than we've had in the last couple of weeks, and. Know, going from week to week to day to day and the fact that Quinn has been throwing, that's clearly means he's trending in the right direction. But do we do we feel like it's one more week of Malik before uh, Quinn is back under center? Well, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll kind of spoil the fun for Chip before he jumps on here in a little bit. Uh, we reported this this morning at Horns 24-7. It's in our insider report. Uh, t- uh, Tuesday's practice, it was Malik Murphy getting the majority of the reps. And then Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning splitting the backup reps. On Wednesday, it was Quinn getting more reps than Malik and Arch significantly fewer reps on Wednesday. So Quinn's still dealing. Anytime you're talking about an AC injury, the two things you really worry about are pain tolerance and range of motion. And you know, according to what we were told, he had to kind of pull himself out of some drills at times, just kind of not trying to rush it come back and just go full go right out of the gate you're kind of trying to ease into it my gut tells me we get another week of Malik Murphy and then the four week mark from the injury would be the Iowa State game I think you see Iowa State game BK worries me a lot more than the TCU game 
mm-hmm. just because you know I, I know I know TCU runs that three safety defense. You know, Joe Gillespie he, he likes that defense, but you know Iowa State they kind of invented it. John, John Haycock kind of patented that thing. So and, and plus, dude, Texas has played terrible in Ames for pretty much the last decade. Yep. So uh, that that one worries me a lot more than the TCU game does. I feel like you can probably beat TCU. As a matter of fact, I don't think probably you can beat TCU with Malik Murphy quarterback going to Ames. Uh, what actually should be, don't scoff at this. Like I've been to Jack Trice stadium when that thing is full and that place is rocking dude. It's actually not a terrible home field advantage for Iowa state. It's mm, respectable it. home field advantage. So it it's going to be a lot more hostile next week in Ames than it is Saturday in Fort Worth. I just feel like you need to make sure Quinn Ewers is ready to rock and roll for for that game in Ames next yeah. Saturday. And you can get through one more week with Malik Murphy. Yeah, I see those losers at Hilton Coliseum every basketball season. They get after it. They've got good fans up there in Ames. And uh, people get worried. There's the whole expression, weird stuff happens in Ames at night. Uh, I just think Texas plays bad up there. I don't think it's weird. Like I, no. I watch, I watched Kansas go to Ames last Saturday night and win. The weird yeah. shit is just Texas has been awful lately. That that's the <laughs> weird stuff. We've been in the midst of like our worst decade plus in program history. That's the weirdness right there. The hope is we're out of that. And we don't have to worry about anything like that. Anymore. Dude, you remember that that Halloween game where they where Char, Charlie Strong took a team to Ames and they got shut out. Yeah, I remember exactly where I was watching that too, man. There wasn't enough booze at the bar I was at to uh, to get me through that deal. Because I was one of the few reporters that flew out like very early that morning and in Austin. We had floods and tornadoes that weekend, so a bunch of the reporters they had to like drive to Dallas and get flights. And I was oh. in Des Moines. I'm like, man, sucks to be everybody else right now, but I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. And then like you have that game. It's a 24 nothing game and. Dude, I'm following some players like up up the way to the to the locker room area to go do post game, and guys are getting trash talked to him. And I, it, Malik Jefferson just kind of looked back at me and half smiled. He's like, "What are you going to say back to anybody at this point? Look at the scoreboard." I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, you lose twenty four nothing. That's that's going to happen." And then the team had that plane ride back home where they thought they were they were goners because there was severe turbulence because oh, of the weather. Yeah, yeah. it was so. It's pretty much the the road trip from hell for that team. So Man. think about what you just said. I was one of the lucky ones. I was in Des Moines. Did, 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 did I did I hear that right? You're trust fortunate me. to be trust in trust me. Iowa. I I processed that statement before it came out of my mouth. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that was. And yeah, no. man, Texas just has not played very well up there. And and you know, you think about the last time the CB mentions it in the chat. Think about the last time Texas was up there and how far this program has come, BK. That was in the middle of of pretty much rock bottom for for Texas football because within the span of about 10 days, you had the incident with the monkey at Jeff Banks' house. You had the the loss to Iowa State, which, by the way, is still the worst loss in the Steve Sarkeesian era. Um, You had the Bo Davis bus incident post-game. Then after that, you had the loss to Kansas the following week. Oh, that was all in like two weeks. <laughs> it was all in a span of about about ten or twelve days. God. So it was. <laughs> we should do like a thirty for thirty about that stretch right there. That needs one man. And you think uh. about like that. Well, there's been a few moments in this the lost decade of the teens, and then kind of bleeding into the 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 second decade here of this century where you're like, man, 
there's been a lot of points where you can say, dude, that probably was, was that rock bottom? Was that rock bottom? That, that 10, 12 day stretch was as pretty close to rock bottom as you get. God. And that was with Sark too. I felt like there was a rock bottom with Charlie, a rock bottom with Mac, a rock bottom with Tom and, and a rock bottom with Sark. I mean, that's, that's a problem. And yeah, look, Iowa state's won three of the last four against Texas. Texas's only win came last year. And if Xavier Hutchinson, who's now an NFL receiver catches a pass that was thrown right to him, then Iowa state probably ties the game with a field goal and we're playing overtime. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe they score a touchdown on that drive. Instead, they turned it over and Texas was able to hold on to get a three point win. But yeah, no, Iowa state has been a thorn in Texas's side, not just up there, especially up there, but they've been a, a bit of a problem for for this Texas team more than any of us would like. But I, I think with, with Iowa State and then it's TCU will be a really good test run because again they run that same three safety defense they they run the three high and it'll be a really good test of Sark's patience with that thing because he struggled against it like go look at the numbers it, oh, yeah. the numbers don't lie and, and everybody can point to the games whether it's you've been TCU or, or Iowa State go through anybody Arkansas anybody that's run that defense. Does Sark have the patience to? Because there are ways you can attack every defense, BK. You, you know, like you can attack every defense. It's not like somebody at some point is going to create a defensive scheme where you just you, you can't do anything against them. Like even even the Chicago Bears, that Buddy Ryan forty six defense, there was a way to attack it. You had to have Dan Marino to do it, but there you, there was a way you could attack it. You can attack the three safety defense. There's a couple of ways you can do it. One is when you run the football. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You have to hit the run. You have to hit your runs downhill, and you've got to hit them really fast and really hard. Like the the thing that the three safety defense that the three high does is is it presents that look of a light box where it's like, oh yeah, we we should be able to run the football, no problem. Well, if you're running like a zone based scheme, which like go back to that 2019 game where I don't even want to look up the the feudal run game that Texas had that day when Tom Herman and Tim Beck kept trying to go back to running the football. But that was the, you know, that that defense lulls you into that false sense of security thinking, oh yeah, we can run the ball. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's like third nine. You're like, what the hell happened? <laughs> because that they fit it so well. And you know, they can change that there's different ways they fit the run based on how you know, based on how you're running the football. It's a really intricate system and, and they they do it better than anybody because John Haycock's the first guy that came up with it. So it's, it's going to be a test of Sark's patience this week. If Texas does have success against TCU, you'd feel much better about them being able to go to Ames and being able to have success against that defense next week. Hell, look at Texas TCU from last year. Now, I know D. Winters and Trey Hodges Tomlinson and Dylan Horton aren't on that TCU defense, but uh, that scheme held B. John Robinson to less than 30 yards rushing last mm-hmm. year. And Rojo, I think, had less than 20 yards rushing last year. So, uh, yeah, different talent. Texas is better. TCU's worse. So I'm not expecting anything like that to happen. But that's kind of your point, how the 3-3-5, three, three, even though it looks like there's plenty of green grass for these runners to run, it ain't always there. And mm-hmm. the good news is, like, Sark knows that that's coming, right? Yeah. 
we're not going to have to hear, we weren't expecting that. They didn't didn't put that on film because that's what Houston did. Because Dana Holgerson, he might get fired. I don't know how great of a coach he is. Great dude. Love the guy. But he like, oh, shit, here's what I do. This hasn't worked. Here's what has caused Texas and Steve Sarkeesian problems. Maybe I'll try this. And Sark after the game is like, they did something we didn't expect them to do. It's like, do you self-scout at all? Like, how are you not expecting this? Which for the Houston game, it didn't make sense because they started in the three high and Texas destroyed it. Like with that opening script, like they they went through Houston like crap through a goose, man. It was they were running up and down the field. And, yeah. you know, the there was the fake field goal and we can go back and deal with that. If we want, I would rather not. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get from TCU. You know what you're going to get from Iowa State next week. So and then by the time you get to game 12. Uh, by the time you get to game 12, you, it doesn't matter what Texas Tech shows you uh, because you should be pretty familiar with their defense. We, we have any any news, BK, on, on this quarterback situation? Yeah, good tease right there, Jeff. Some breaking news. I'll give uh, your cohort at Horns 24-7 and our cohort here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, Chip Brown, some love. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian on that Zoom call has said that Quinn Ewers will start this Saturday night against T. See you. Okay. So Ewers is back. Um, I, I assume this is not a rotation, right? And we don't have much more context. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure someone's going to follow up and be like, well, is, does that mean Quinn's going to play every snap? Does that mean he'll play every series? What are we going to do here? I, I assume if Quinn is starting, the plan is for Quinn to be the guy like he was Dude. before he went down. Yeah. Sark doesn't rotate quarterbacks. Yeah. This is not, it's not his MO. I mean, you know, we had an interesting conversation, BK, on our Longhorn Blitz podcast this week. Like, and, and I, I keep driving this home. I think this fan base will, it'll be a lot easier to digest some of the stuff that happens, some of the decisions Sark makes when some people, some of you people out there, just wrap your heads around, like, what, who you're dealing with as a head coach. Sark isn't going to rotate quarterbacks. He's going to be ultra aggressive. He's going to go forward on fourth down and plus territory. Like, that's just who he is. It's, 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 it, I compared it to, uh, you know, like me covering baseball. I love covering Longhorn baseball. Every year, man, people get all up in arms about David Pierce and, and, and their aggressive base dealing, how aggressive he is on the base pass. Oh, man, they get runners thrown out and they give up runs. Like, did you know he's going to do it? Like, why complain about it? Like, you know it's going to happen. And just take it for what it's worth. Like, understand who you're dealing with. So, no, like, Sark, was, Sark wasn't going to put – Arch Manning into a, a situation in that game where once Malik started to go downhill, he was going to go to another quarterback. He's going to let guys play through it. I mean, hell, he let he let Hudson Card play through it last year in Fayetteville or two years ago in Fayetteville until he just until it didn't make any more sense to do it. Like when the game was over, like okay, let's go to Case Thompson. But you didn't make that change really until the following week. Uh, he didn't do it last year with Quinn in Stillwater when he probably should have. Speaking of the TCU game last year, BK, that was the game where I really thought he should have done it. Like, because you because you weren't out of the game at all. Your defense was playing well enough for you to win. And I'm like, dude, he should probably look at making this thing at halftime. And then when you come out with your first, I think it was their first possession of the second half, Quinn throws that pick to Hodges Tomlinson. And I'm like, dude, if you're not going to do it now, then he's just not going to do it. So, no, bottom line, Sark isn't going to play musical chairs. I don't think he would put that out there about Quinn starting if it was some kind of psychological ploy or anything like that, dude. If he says Quinn starting, then they've prepared all week for, for Quinn to be the guy. Here's another quote from Steve Sarkeesian on his Zoom that's going on right now. Quote, Ewers is not limited in any way. 
He looked great to me today, end quote. So to your point, it, uh, yeah. like, I don't know if yours is 100%. Odds are he's not 100%, but he's clearly good enough to where he's been cleared by the medical team and where he's been cleared by Sark, and he's been cleared by himself, right? Because uh, on Monday, it kind of sounded like this was a little bit of a pain tolerance thing. And hell, you talked about that maybe 15 minutes ago that, you know, it sort of sounded like Sark sort of was putting the ball in Quinn's court for whether or not he'd play on Saturday. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like the pain has subsided enough to the point where Quinn feels like he's good. And it makes sense based on the way Malik Murphy played the last couple of weeks that Texas wouldn't take any chances as soon as they got the green light from the people they needed to get the green light from, they were going to go back to Quinn. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, at least in terms of how I've understood Sark and this staff to deal with injuries, they're not going to rush a guy back just to have him, especially at that position. I mean, they, they've they had guys like you look at how they handle like Jade Barron going into the Houston game when he had that ankle. It's like, hey, we're only going to we're only going to get you out there. We're not going to put you in harm's way only if it's an emergency. Well, second half of that game, it turned into an emergency. Yep. So you went to, him. Um, you know, and then not to say guys don't play through stuff, but. They're going to take the advice of the medical staff, and they should. I mean, when, dude, when you're talking about a quarterback, BK, you're talking about more, you're even talking about more than you know just being able to play a game. You're talking about a guy. Hey, can we have this guy the next couple of weeks? Is this something that he can re-injure? If we make it to the Big Twelve Championship game, do we have to worry about maybe not playing that championship game with him? Uh, and, and then you're talking about the CFP, and then for Quinn, it, would this be something that if he could he do? Is it to the point where if he does more damage to it? Is it healed or is it not healed to the point where if he does damage to it? Now you're talking about a guy, does he need a surgery? It's his throwing arm. What does that do for his NFL draft decision? Does that completely change his thought process about the draft? Um, you got all, There's a whole lot of variables at play. But, dude, first, when it comes to injuries, man, if Sark is willing to talk about it on the record, like you can, you can pretty much take that to the bank, you know, if he's willing to go on record with an injury update. In other words, he if if there's if he's still uncertain, he'll either say game time decision or he won't say anything at yep. all. And he's done that a lot this year, right? Yeah. With guys who have ultimately not suited up and played. It's uh, ah, we'll see. You know, we'll know more by the time we get to Saturday. But for him to come out and explicitly say that Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback for Texas on Saturday, then yeah, that's not gamesmanship or lip service. That's that's the way it's going to be. That that tells me that after him throwing as much as he did on Wednesday which Wednesday was his heavier workload based on what we reported mm-hmm. that for him to come back today and for Sark to say he looked good probably tells you pain tolerance and range of motion waking up this morning from practice yesterday was either sm- small or non-existent minimal or non-existent and then if he looked good today then everybody's probably doctors Quinn's family Sark everybody's probably on the same page of yeah he's he's good to go yeah, and all of these games are the Big 12 championship, Jeff. They really are. Like, obviously, the actual Big 12 championship is on December 2nd. But, you know, just like if Texas loses that game, uh, if they lose any of these games, they're not going to win the Big 12 this year. Now, right. technically, there are scenarios where, okay, Texas can lose again, and if they get enough help from around the conference, then they could still find their way into Jerry World. But, no, you've got to treat every single game like it is a Big 12 championship game. And, that's why you can't do what you did against Houston, where it's like, ah, well, this team's not very good. Like, TCU's the worst team Texas has left. They are. <laughs> like, I, Iowa State beat TCU, and Texas Tech beat TCU. So I'm just going straight transitive property here that TCU is the worst team that Texas has left. So, yeah, some people, I've heard some Texas fans say, 
how he can rest. We can rest Quinn against TCU and just get him back for the last two games of the regular season. Well, if Malik Murphy turns it over a couple of times, hey, if TCU doesn't drop the two or three interceptions that K-State dropped last week, <laughs> right. then all of a sudden you slip up and, hey, congrats, you've got a healthy Quinn Ewers for Iowa State, but you're, you're not playing for anything anymore because you're not making the playoff and you're not making it to Arlington. So you just yeah. you can't, like, we were all hoping Malik was going to play well enough to where it's like, oh, man, if Quinn needs the whole regular season, give him the whole regular season. But with just what's happened the last two weeks and really what happened last week, like you just you can't play with fire. You can't walk that close to the sun and just hope that Malik Murphy is going to turn things around drastically in six days. If you had the chance to play the guy who has been your guy all season long, you had to do it. And that's what Texas is doing. You, you mentioned their scenarios. I don't even want to look at what those scenarios are right now, because if you're Texas, dude, whether you're cut, whether you cover the team, whether you're a fan, if you've been invested in this football program during this just decade plus of mediocre football and that might be putting it generously yeah. that we've all been treated to this team controls its own destiny like forget about the playoff like the playoff that's why like to me oh should texas be ranked ahead of oregon like to me i don't care like that stuff tends to work itself out anyway you still got a lot of moving parts ahead of texas whatever but for a big 12 title to get to arlington you control your own destiny People are like, oh, don't worry about things that you control. Dude, you can control this. Yeah. You're you're in firm control of this. Texas determines whether Texas gets to Arlington to play for a conference championship. So don't don't take that lightly, man. Cause dude, <laughs> another thing, BK, that we put in the insider, we we pulled our sources and kind of gave an early look of stay or go NFL decisions. Your roster's gonna look a lot different next year. Oh, yeah. When you've got a championship window, man, don't. Don't take it for granted. Don't you got to maximize that thing. And it's exciting to think about this team hasn't played its best game yet. Like we haven't seen this Texas team play a game. Maybe other than the Kansas game that you would say, man, that was a pretty complete game. But that was a Kansas game where Jason Bean found out about five minutes before kickoff that he was starting. Yeah. And Lance Leipold thought, I've got my Heisman candidate quarterback until the training staff's like, no, he slept in the bed wrong and, you know, has a crick in his back. Like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> you still haven't seen Texas deliver that performance. And the fact that that's still in there and you've got three games to go and it, it's, it's right there for you. And then, you know what though, the, the, the fact that you're going to have to kind of treat some old wounds, if you will, to, to get to Arlington, like, you know, TCU's own this series since oh, yeah. they joined the big 12. You just mentioned, dude, I, Iowa freaking state has won three of the last four against Texas. And then you got your mark you on black Friday. <laughs> Do I need to say anything else? You know, we've seen throughout history, man, you know, 98, 2002, obviously there's 08. There's been multiple years during this Big 12 run where T, uh, Texas Tech has cost Texas a chance to go play for the Big 12 championship. Mm -hmm. So don't take that game lightly either. And I've got a feeling of the three, that's probably due to, I'm not going to get too far ahead, BK, but if there's a game where I think if you ask Steve Sarkeesian privately, dude, if you could like just stick the knife in and turn it and just, you know, score as many points as humanly possible, which game would it be? I think he would tell you it was that game oh. against Tech. God, I hope whenever a Texas player scores in that game, they point up to the box where Brett Yormark is sitting and just start laughing at him. Like, they just taunt that dude mercilessly. Don't talk any trash to Texas Tech. Just talk trash to the commissioner who basically told yeah. you that he wants Texas Tech to beat you. I was really looking forward to, and it might still happen, a Texas-Oklahoma Big 12 championship game just so that way 
Brett Yormark knows he's going to have a bad afternoon no matter who wins that game. Yep. But now that it's, you know, it's, and, and speaking of, you know, healing old, healing old wounds, looking at old scars, dude, just when you thought, one, just when you thought Mike Gundy was dead and buried and we'd start shoveling dirt on Mike Gundy, and just when you thought Texas was done dealing with that dude, <laughs> that that that's what could be standing between you and a conference championship. Yeah. Second, is yeah. Mike freaking Gundy. Can we just admit that he's the best coach in the conference? We probably should have done that years ago, right? I mean, I, I've said it, and I, I've kind of started to doubt myself. So I'm like, well, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe he's losing it. And look, Mike Gundy, he's like bizarre, Bizarro Dabo Swinney. Like, Mike Gundy, he, he doesn't – he hates the portal. Um, he, he recruits kind of who he wants. He doesn't really care what anybody thinks. It really is him against the world. And, man, I don't know, BK, if there's a better – and I'll throw, dude, I, based on what he's got to work with, I don't think there's a better coach in college football than yeah. if you just say, here's a week to get ready for this opponent, come up with a plan to beat them. I don't think there's anybody in college football that's better than Mike Gundy at doing that. See, that's the good caveat right there because recruiting goes into coaching and yeah. the transfer portal goes into coaching and Gundy's bad at that. Part of it, he just kind of chooses not to do it. Like, I think he could be better if he wanted to, yeah. but he's... He's never recruited amongst the best. But when you talk about just getting the most out of your players and developing talent, yeah, he's amongst the best in recent college football. And, man, I mean, this might be Oklahoma State's least talented team that he's ever had. Dude, that, that team got blown out at home by South Alabama. Yeah, 33-7. to Major Applewhites in the press box in Stillwater dialing it up for the, for the <laughs> USA Jaguars and – you look at the scores like USA 33, Oklahoma State 7. Like, what they, the, the America have a team that just went into Stillwater and beat Oklahoma State? No, that's the University of South Alabama. It's our, it's our Olympic flag football team a few years from now that went in there and won, right? Dude, it's it was, it's crazy, man. And they, you know, they they can do this. And they they did they, they went to Ames and lost the game at a time where I didn't think Iowa State was very good. And you're like, man, this might be the end for Mike Gundy. And think about this, BK, as big of a Kansas fan as you are. Dude, if KU doesn't port the pooch in Stillwater and finds a way to close that game out, dude, Kansas is tied with Texas for first place in the conference right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas screwed the pooch, and they got some awful Kevin Moore-like calls in that game that went against them. But you're right. No, it's – and that's looking like a big win for Texas, and that's looking like a big win for Oklahoma State now because nobody else has found a way to beat this Kansas team this year. I mean, so. because, because K-State was still ranked in the CFP rankings this week. Dude, Texas has – Wins over three teams ranked in the CFP top 25 right now. Yeah, and Oregon has one. But Al Alabama and the two Kansas schools. Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought? What a time to be one alive. One of these yeah. things is not like the other. Jeff, there have been years where I'm happy when Kansas is 2-7 and seven through nine games, and they're 7-2 and two right now. This is their first winning season since Todd Reesing was up there slinging the pill all over the place, man. It's awesome. Desmond, Br awesome. Desmond Briscoe was walking through that door every day the last time KU yep. had a winning season. It's a great player. The great Desmond Briscoe. Yeah, keep to leave. That team won an Orange Bowl, and Mark Mangino tried to eat the Orange Bowl mascot. I think it, Fields. it Dude, never you, deserves. I've got to watch how I talk about Mark Mangino because he does have family in the in the greater Austin area. Uh-oh. But if, if you find somebody that, like, covered KU at the time, Probably not Iowa State. It's not a lot of good Iowa State Mark Mangino stories, but find someone that covered 
Mark Mangino, like they, they don't know behind the scenes about the day-to-day functions of Mark Mangino, KU football. You'll get some interesting stories. I'll, I'll say that. I bet. I bet. <laughs> there, there's one I'll, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you off the air that allegedly happened. <laughs> I, it's it's. I can't. E- I can't even share it on on Texas Sports Unfiltered. That's oh. how unsavory this story is. Allegedly. Oh. Allegedly. Let me say allegedly. that. Allegedly. What is it? Connor Stallions allegedly, or is it really allegedly? Um. OJ allegedly. Think like one of the jackass guys, allegedly. Oh, I'll leave okay. it at that. <laughs> Very intrigued. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm I'm perfectly fine with playing Oklahoma State this year. Like Texas, Texas is damn near having my perfect season. Okay, and I'll knock on wood. I'll knock on wood. Uh, obviously, they've lost. Uh, a perfect season would mean they're undefeated and they beat Oklahoma and they're ranked in the top three or four right now. That goes without saying. But we'll get to play Oklahoma again, right? None of the other teams in the Big 12, Texas is going to play, I don't want to say ever again, because I'm sure they'll play Texas Tech and maybe not Houston, considering the history between the two, but Baylor and TCU, whatever. Like at some point down the road, Texas will play them, but not anytime soon. You want the bragging rights, man. Like it, we, we saw it with AM. Like how much trash has Texas fans been able to talk to AM fans because of 2011? Now you've also owned that rivalry, which helps. But like the last game, there's something special about the last game. So the fact that Texas has bragging rights right now over Baylor, over Kansas, over Kansas State, I I, I want that with TCU. I want that with Iowa State. I want that with Texas Tech. And then, boom, you get a shot at Oklahoma State like that. That's perfect. That's the nice. Obviously, you win the Big 12 title. That's what matters most. Whatever. You get to brag about that until the end of time. But if you beat like every single one of those teams that's staying in this conference, that's pissed that you're leaving, you get to beat them and then win the league on your way out the door. That is chef's kiss right there. Yeah. Like I've got some, uh, I've got some really, really good friends that are diehard OU fans. And, you know, when you, when you talk about the Texas Oklahoma rivalry, there's a, you know, BK, when you, you've been to plenty of Texas OU games, there, there are rules of engagement on the fairground. It's not just outright debauchery, right? Yeah. It's, there's there's a level of, uh, I use the term loosely, there's a level of respect there just because the two schools and alums and fans of the two schools see the other one as equal to them in football, right? Like Oklahoma's beaten Texas enough times for Texas fans to have that respect. Texas has beaten Oklahoma enough times to have that respect. Like they, they see each other pretty much as equals. How does Texas view Texas A&M? Like, oh, they're the little brother. Good good try, little buddy, and patting them on the head and sending them on their way. That's like, that's how Oklahoma views Oklahoma State, but add, like, a healthy amount of, like, meth and moonshine to it, and that's how revved up that rivalry gets. I mean, there is no respect. Like, like Oklahoma fans, though, at least the Oklahoma fans I interact with, they detest the fact that Oklahoma State believes they even have the right to belong on the same football field with the University of Oklahoma. Like, it's that bad. So, to your point about bragging rights, the fact that that fan base can hold that over an Oklahoma fan's head for who knows how long, yeah, that has got to be the most miserable place to be, man. And it's and it's that one's stupid, right? Because OU, I think, ended, what, 91 and 20 against <laughs> Oklahoma State? But you're right, because it's the last one, Oklahoma State fans will be like, I remember that one. And As you guys are too fact, scared to play us again, you know? Like, 
Let me look at something because I want to see has, has Texas has Baylor won more games against Texas than Oklahoma State's won against Oklahoma, and I, I think that's going to be accurate. Okay, let me look this up real quick. I'm going to go to winsipedia.com. Yeah, let's see Texas and Baylor. Got this Baylor one. has beaten Texas. I've got. 28 times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Significantly more. Okay. Yeah. Texas is 81 and 28 against Baylor. Oklahoma's 91 and 20, leaving out the ties, of course, <laughs> against Oklahoma. Like, that is insane. And, and like, it, think about think about how Texas, how inferior Texas fans view Baylor yeah. to, to Texas. Like, that's what I say. Like, Oklahoma fans are embarrassed that Oklahoma State's a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost to them in the last yeah. one. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's where you're at if you're Texas, man. I mean, there there are so many reasons for motivation, and players don't care about what I said no. as much as fans do, obviously. But there are plenty of reasons for players, coaches, and fans alike to be motivated to get this job done this year. But I think I can't get over like Oklahoma State standing in terms of like the college football hierarchy. If you, you watch those football life documentaries on NFL Network, right, BK? So, sure. I think one of my favorite ones is the Jimmy Johnson documentary. And, and Larry Lacewell was talking about how he talked to Jimmy when he got offered the Miami job. And Larry Lacewell said, the late, great Larry Lacewell, who, by the way, this when Jerry used the term midget in a press conference, was talking about how <laughs> they were going to get a little person and dress it up like Larry Lacewell. You remember that? Remember that yep. bit last year? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Jerry, for that. <laughs> um, but Larry Lacewell said he was talking to Jimmy Johnson and he said, Jimmy's like, I don't know if I want to leave. And he said, let me ask you a question. Have you ever beat Nebraska? No. He said, have you ever beaten Oklahoma? Jimmy says, no. He said, right, sooner or later, your fans are going to figure that out, that you can't beat. And he said, and can you win a national championship at Oklahoma State? He said, Jimmy just kind of cracks his smile. He's like, well, they just won one at Miami. So I think the, I think the decision's pretty much made for you. Like, mm. that's that's kind of where I viewed Oklahoma state in the college football pecking order. That's fair. They've won one, right? Don't they have like a forties so, wartime title? All right. So the, who was it? The American football coaches association did this deal. This was probably about 10 years ago where they said, cause you remember like A&M was retroactively claiming championships and people were like, okay, you can pick like random ass official NCAA selector and say, okay, yeah, they gave us a national championship, but the American football coach association said, look, we'll allow you. If you, if anybody really wants, you can go back in the record books, find a year where you feel like you should have been awarded a national championship, bring that proof to us. And we'll let our board decide if you can claim a national championship. Like Oklahoma state, when they were Oklahoma A&M was the only, only program that brought a case to the AFCA. And they were like, you know what? Yes, you can claim 1945 as a national championship, Oklahoma State. Oh, that's what it was. That's, that's how it, what it was, man. That's oh, that is spectacular, man. Wow, I did not know that story. That is great. Thank y'all for the love, by the way. Shout out to you, Abby. Appreciate the kind yeah. words. Shout out to all of y'all watching today. Uh, somebody said they're not a fan of the mustache. Yeah, Thomas says I vote no on the stash. Come on, man. Does that mean you vote yes for prostate cancer and testicular cancer and suicide? Because that's why I'm oh. growing this thing to try to raise money and awareness for men's health issues. You know, a man, a man dies by suicide every minute in this world, which is the saddest stat of all time. So I grow this thing. I, I look like shit for a month and I look like shit. I'm willing to look like dog shit 
And on the radio, it didn't matter as much. But now everybody yeah. gets to see me every day. I'm willing to look like this to try to uh, raise some money and some awareness for men's health issues. So BK's is willing to not be allowed within 200 yards of a school. Yeah. Just so we can we can get the awareness that needs to get. Hey, man, I'll say this, not to get too serious, but in the realm of, you know, men's health or just our general issues, physical and mental. Dude, don't be afraid to ask for help, man. Yeah. This, you know, people people will tell you hey, it, it's it's weakness or whatever. Dude, I'm living proof, man. Don't don't ever don't ever think it's weakness or cowardly or anything like that to go ask for help, man. Well said. Well said. I'm here for you. And I, I think all of us at TSU are here for you. But I mean, yeah, I, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you're looking at my ugly mustache right now, uh, look, if you've got no one else you feel like you could turn to to talk, y'all y'all know how to get a hold of me. I'm, uh, if I'm you are if you are traveling down that road, man, I'm <laughs> I wasn't on it, dude. I'm trust me, I'm still on it. So mm-hmm. I know I know that I know that journey you're taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said, well said. So thank you all for tuning in, though, and for the kind words today. Of course, the uh, the big news from a Texas football standpoint, uh, Quinn Ewers will start for Texas. Apparently, Sark also said that Jalen Catalan will be back this weekend as well. Uh, can we keep him for more than one game here, Jeff? That's the Man, big Jalen Catalan question, yeah, isn't it? Your safety, uh, your safety position needs all the help it can get. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm just gonna go. I just went to Chip's Twitter account because Chip was tweeting from the uh, the Zoom call today. So Sark said Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford will both be be available on Saturday. The Keaton Crawford thing is huge, BK, because I wouldn't doubt if part of Texas trying to be aggressive and get out in front of TCU. It's been a minute since Jeff Banks has come after a punt. I uh, maybe maybe on the road in Fort Worth is the game where you want to do it. Uh, if you've seen something in their protection that doesn't jibe, maybe maybe this is the time where you do it. Uh, so Catalan Crawford also Sark said that uh, Christian Jones and Kelvin Banks will both be available after Christian Jones missed the uh, missed the K State game. Kelvin Banks had to leave with an injury, but they'll both be available on Saturday. Very good. Yeah, look, I, I had some skepticism on Monday when Sark's like, everybody practiced. It's like, okay, well, what, is, well, what does that well, mean? Because like, he said that before, and we still had a pretty lengthy injury report come Saturday. Exactly. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Like, everybody was there today. Everybody showed up. Some guys were in shorts, but some guys were in pads, or everybody were, was in pads. Like, what, what happened? So I was like, okay, what does this actually mean? But yeah. uh, clearly, as we sit here on a Thursday, it, it feels like everybody actually did practice on Monday, and everybody's been practicing all week, so... Knock on wood. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like Texas has had the best injury luck in the world this year, but considering we're in the 10th game of the year and you have pretty much all hands on deck for this home stretch where you need three wins to get to the uh, conference championship game, this is as uh, good as of an injury situation as you could have possibly asked for. Yeah, and everybody's beat up right now, man. You go into game 10, dude, everybody, everybody's dealing with something, sure. but hopefully, you know, guys were able to get healthy. And then look, man, let's not, I think that tells you how important Sark thinks this game is, right? If they've gotten Quinn Ewers cleared and they're bringing these guys back, because I mean, keep in mind how many guys got held out of that U of H game or were limited in the Houston game. They wouldn't do this. If this was a game that they thought, Hey, with this group of players, we feel like we can go win this game. Sark's treating us like, dude, anybody we can get, if you have any kind of value to this team and you can play, then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let you play and work with the medical staff and see if we can get guys cleared. Yeah. Just don't don't leave anything to chance, man. Don't don't take this for granted. Like I said earlier, man, you're 
<clears throat> coaches always talk about, oh, we're, we're only going to focus on what we can control. Guess what? Whether or not you get to Arlington, you control that. Yep. I'm glad you keep bringing up the Houston game, man, because that's uh, – Sark, look, good coaches learn from their mistakes. It was a mistake to take Houston lightly. I'll be honest. I thought Texas could have benched all of those guys and still beaten Houston by three touchdowns. And for the first quarter and a half, it looked like they were going to do just that. But clearly, that wasn't the case. Sark and his coaching staff is like, no, we we just – we cannot take anybody lightly. Yeah. When you start when you start talking about oh we'll play this guy in this certain situation and we'll we'll let this guy play but at a certain point with a certain lead we'll get him out of there, that's when you stop focusing on the opponent at all. Like you know stuff just get it borders on lack of respect for the opponent. BK is what it yeah. gets into, and I mean that's that's not saying anything negative about Sark and the staff for them being arrogant or overconfident. That's just human nature, right? Do they they watch they watch the same Houston tape that we all watched. They saw that same Houston. Every, we all saw the same Houston team, right? They're not. They're not idiots. They're not dummies. We all thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's. Uh, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen this week, man. If you're, if you're able to play for, and, and when wear those icy whites for the University of Texas on Saturday, sounds like you'll be doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Shout out to our friends at Apple Leasing. If you are looking to lease. A car here in the Austin area, go to AppleLeasing.com. Our man Scott Crossett has been at it for a long, long time. Great deals on site all of the time. Just go to their website, AppleLeasing.com. They've got uh, a live chat. You can ask any question that you have about how leasing works. You can tell them your budget. You can tell them what kind of car you want. And they're going to they're going to make something happen for you. 512-346-9977 or check them out at AppleLeasing.com. Any make, any model. The Apple leasing experience is different. Find out for yourself how it works at appleleasing.com. Also, shout out to our friends at Great Blue Heron Furniture. If you're looking for a new couch or a new chair, recliner, you're a recliner guy, Jeff. I asked Bucky this morning. He said he's not one. Are you a recliner guy? I, you know, it, it depends. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I just enjoy, you know, laying down on the couch, but I, I can't, if it's the right recliner. Yeah. I'll be a recliner guy. Great Blue Heron's got the right recliners, man. Custom Leather Furniture Company. They've been around since 1991. If you're looking to uh, spruce up your living room a little bit, do it with a custom piece from greatblueheronfurniture.com. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off your purchase. That's right, 15% off the best-looking, most comfortable, and best-built furniture that you can find. It's all right there at greatblueheronfurniture.com. Jeff, what you got on tap the rest of the day, my man? Uh, we'll be diving into the Quinn Ewer stuff at, at Horse 24-7, man, with Quinn being cleared and ready to go. It's uh, game's taking on a different kind of different kind of dynamic. You don't have to worry about, oh, hey, is Malik going to survive? Well, no, yeah, you got you got Quinn, you got Quinn ready to rock and roll. So we'll be going over that, getting ready for uh hey, Texas is a basketball game tomorrow. Delaware oh, yeah. State, Delaware State at Moody Center. Delaware, so, oh, Delaware is a state, so I guess they can call themselves Delaware State, right? Delaware State, yeah. Now that's do you, not where. Do you, get, do you get mad at the directional state schools? Yeah, I mean, I see Oregon beat Portland State. Like, congrats, that's not a real state, idiots. Shouldn't even count as a win. Like Memphis, when they were used to be Memphis State, and they dropped the state at some point. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand the whole city-state deal. Like. Who else does it? There's a lot of people who do well, you know, it. Right? You know, te- Texas State used to, the, the bowl eligible Texas State Bobcats used to be Southwest Texas State. Congratulations to you. Yeah, you know, yeah. Texas is still a state, though, so it counts. If it was like Southwest San Marcos State or just San Marcos State, it'd be the dumbest thing in the world, and I wouldn't let you be a fan of them anymore. <laughs> but because it's well, Texas State. Well, they, did, they did get a decent amount of my money, BK, for me to finish my education there. So. Hey, 
GJ Kenny, thanks you for uh, for your service because I think hey, you just graduated. I was, I was in school when uh, we voted on the uh, raising student fees to go to FBS. So, way to go! You're welcome, current Texas State student. <laughs> you should have jumped in the river with all those kids. I'm too old to go jumping in the river, man. It, it, you know, it's that started like right around the time I graduated. That started being a thing. Um, I'm just too damn old to be jumping into the river at Sewell Park, man. That's mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let the kids partake in that. I'd be doing that this weekend, actually. At a bachelor party in the New Braunfels, San Marcos areas. So I might yeah. I might be making some noise down there. A little uh, little floating action? A little floating action, although the weather the weather doesn't look great. So we'll see. Maybe some worst fest. Well, hey, the uh the San Marcos River is a spring fed seventy two degrees all year round. So they're eating spring. You're, wel- you're welcome, San Marcos uh, you know, city council or chamber <laughs> of commerce or whoever for the plug I- there. I hear it also has more STDs floating around per cubic meter than any other river in the country. Well, if you get the closer you get to the spillway, Trey, it's kind of going to funnel some of that stuff out. So just make sure you're make sure you're within. You can eyeball the spillway from wherever you are, and you should be okay. Ah, welcome, Trey. Jeff, you're the man. This was fun, brother. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Yep. See you guys.